Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jesse Park Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and Alex Ibiseta as we look ahead to the return of Chelsea this weekend as they face Arsenal in the FA Cup at Kings Meadow. So we've brought Alex on for a little bit of uh, Arsenal flavour. Um, but how are you two doing? I'm tired and very tired. I don't know if I'm si- I don't know if, I don't think I'm sick, but I feel like I am, but I'm not. I don't know if that's worse or not I don't know. I'm just want to sleep after this. That's what that's what I'm going to say. I feel like everyone's sick at this time of point of the year. Yeah, it's weird. It's bad. Um I'm not sick yet, so that's good. <laughs> well done. You're ahead you're ahead of everyone else. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we love to hear it. Um, but yeah, quite a lot of stuff to get through today. We'll take a little look at the international break and what the Chelsea team got up to, just because I think it's going to really play into the, the next couple of weeks. Um, and then we'll dive into the game against Arsenal and how we think that one might play out before looking more broadly across Chelsea's truly horrendous run of fixtures um, extending into March. Because, yeah, I honestly, like, in in women's football and even in men's football, have never really seen a set of fixtures like this, which I think to some extent is testament to, like, the growth of the women's game and that there are more and more, like, tricky teams out there to, to play, but equally is a bit of a headache. Um, so let's start with, uh, with the international break. Uh, Alex, I hope this won't be too triggering for you because uh, Chile didn't have a great international break and won't be going for the World Cup but we'll gloss over that quickly um I wanted to start by talking about Lauren James because I feel like she is the Chelsea player who's probably had the best international break um she basically smashed it for England she was named player of the tournament at the Arnold Clark Cup which is basically the most impressive accolade you can get as the Arnold Clark Cup is obviously the the best international uh, tournament but uh, Abdullah I'll come, I'll come to you on this one is Lauren Jones England's best player right now uh yeah I can't because I can't actually think of anybody else who's been as in form at least at club level and consistency wise in their performances and then going into that into that international break, you know, you you you'd think, all right, who performed in in the minutes that that Lauren James got? I mean, I mean, getting the the player of the tournament is is the biggest accolade you can get for the uh, for the best tournament of the there was what, four tournaments: the Pintar Cup, the She Believes. The, everyone has a tournament. Everyone now. the tour the Tournament de France. They have France. Like everyone has one, but the Arnold, I think the Arnold clock has this nice ring to it, which is nice. Um, and it's become a, a pop culture icon, so uh, it's, it's 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 great. Um, it's no, the but most think, memeable, and that's what matters in the international exactly. break. <laughs> if you can meme it, it works. It gives people something to do. Um, no, I think I think Lauren James. I mean, just just the way she plays. I think the performances have been so consistent, and I think that's probably why you think that for both for England and probably even in a Chelsea shirt, you'd argue that Lauren James is probably the most informed player, you know, for England right now. Yeah, I I thought she was amazing I actually thought she was almost even better than she has been at Chelsea for England and uh, it was really great because I think some of her the England performances we've seen from her before haven't she hasn't necessarily I don't think had the same confidence or comfort in that team to really show what she can do but uh yeah there's a lot of defenders who played in the Arnold Clark Cup having nightmares about Lauren James after the way she um basically ran through them in every game um Alex the other player who I feel like had a 
a good international break, even though maybe not in the most obvious way is Sam Kerr. Um, long journey, obviously, to go and play in Australia, but wins against Spain, against Jamaica, and against whoever the third team was. Czech Republic. Against the Czech Republic, thank you. Um, meant they, they won whatever they call their cup. Cup of Nations. Cup of Nations, thank you. You're my fact checker for this episode. I love it. Um, obviously, the the journey to Australia is kind of crazy, and you know Sam Kerr's not the only player who's going to be affected by that. Obviously, lots of the middle just playing playing England. Um, but do you feel like having that win or like those wins and winning the tournament and basically probably playing better than Australia have for for quite a while means that it's kind of like a boost, regardless, even even though she's had to do all the travel. I think it's going to be enjoyment that comes from it mostly. And we talk about it all the time, especially, I think Sam Kerr, especially when she's enjoying herself, you can tell. And that's when she plays some of her best football. And when she's not, when she's tired, she's grumpy. You can kind of tell that on the pitch and she kind of goes below her own standards, let's say, because, you know, a low Sam Kerr number is still quite good um, (laughs) for other standards, but. I think, yeah, I think what you touched on there was just like the enjoyment and the confidence that you get from playing a really good tournament, especially with your national team. When you look at Australia at the moment, they have a home World Cup. You know, their motivation is that and they're just trying to to get into the World Cup as, as good as they can. And I think Sam Kerr is enjoying that to the maximum. And when you have Sam Kerr being able to enjoy both her interna- her national team and her club team, the goals are going to just start pouring through. So I think, yeah, I think it is tiring, but at the end of the day, I think Sam is enjoying herself right now, which I think can be scary for everyone else and positive for Chelsea. Yeah, I think she's definitely a player who who thrives off momentum. And I think, you know, although the whole Cup of Nations seemed to just be about people scoring bangers from outside the area. So Sam didn't actually do that much when it came to goals, but um, obviously like a good feeling uh, there. And I saw videos of Caitlin Ford drinking um, loads of champagne, but not videos of Sam Kerr. So that made me feel good as well, because hopefully Caitlin Ford will have a hangover and Sam Kerr won't. Um, Abdullah, lots of good minutes for Maramiada and Magda Eriksson, although neither team, everyone seemed to draw in all of these games. Um, so uh, they they played minutes, but obviously we've not really seen loads of them in a Chelsea shirt recently. But is this kind of like a handy trick for Chelsea in the international break that maybe there are, you know, we've got all these games coming up and there are players who haven't played loads of minutes, but but might have played themselves into a bit of form. Maren Mielder, although was playing as a defensive midfielder for Norway, which is kind of interesting, but apparently she was good at it, so... Yeah, it's it's nice, right? When you have two players who really haven't been playing much for their club side and then the international side goes, you know what, we'll do your favourite Chelsea, we'll get them some minutes in the legs just before your important run of games coming in. So I think they've just, you know, both Norway and Sweden have, have done Chelsea a favour there. No, I think, I think it's good. I think, we, you know, you touched on it earlier, this next period, this next month is going to be insane. I mean, you've got games from like Arsenal, United, City, Lyon. They're going to need all of them fit. And I think... You're going to need every single player in that squad. Like I think, I think Mielda and Magda Eriksson, having not played recently and then playing in the international break, I think comes at a really good time. And they both had really good performances as well. It, it didn't look like they were rusty. It didn't look like they haven't played much. And uh, it can only be a positive. And so forget they're both quality players. Um, Mielda did a job against City uh, a couple of months ago. We saw that. So you know, we know that she can come in, do a job, and you know, maybe Mielda defense as a defense midfielder. 
it's not a bad shout considering there's going to need to be some rotation for Sophie Engel and Aaron Cuthbert at some point. So you could opt to play Marin there and, 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 and rest one of the other two. So I think it's, it might be a, a good shout from Norway and it's kind of given him a, a choice in midfield. Um, but yeah, and then Magda's Magda. We know her quality. So, you know, coming into uh, what I think you're going to touch on next to, to probably replace one of the centre-backs is going to be probably very key. I, for one, would like to see a lot more of Marin Mielda in the rest of this year. So I'm glad she's getting minutes for Norway because I've kind of been surprised we've seen so little at her because everything she seems to have done has been very good. Um, and Magda Eriksson also came out with some kind of funny cryptic comments about her contract situation, which was like, I'm not going to talk about it, but I want to live with Penila wherever I go, which is something she's totally entitled to do. Uh, she can live with Penila in London or in any other city in the world which she might be interested in living in um yes as Abdullah kind of touched on uh there was another centre-back who played a lot of minutes Khadija Buchanan um I'm such a mainstay with Canada Jesse Fleming there as well and uh yeah those guys playing in the she's she believes cup not quite as far as going to Australia uh, but still a pretty significant uh distance um uh time time difference as well Alex do you think these are players who who might need to be rested too I mean, do you want to rest uh, Kadisha Buchanan against Arsenal? That is the question. I mean, who would you put? I mean, the question is, who do you put instead? Do you prioritize the Conti Cup? Do you prioritize the league? Do you prioritize the FA Cup? And the timing of the international break come the Conti Cup. I think Arsenal have it much less. I would, I would see that Arsenal probably, off the top of my head, what is it? Caitlin Ford and Rafaela would be the the ones that have traveled the furthest. I think Chelsea might have a couple more, but for Chelsea, it's a bit, it's a bit different. It's not different at all, actually. Now that I think about it, Arsenal would pretty much have the same run-up schedule um, outside of the league. Obviously, Chelsea have Brighton, but Arsenal still have Bayern Munich and obviously Chelsea twice. So it's a hard one because you you have so many important things coming up. Obviously, a Conti Cup would be the least of your worries, but at the end of the day, it is a final and it's against Arsenal, so that has somewhat of a of a good priority there. Um, potentially if it was an earlier round you would play, play your B team essentially but I think now it's about prioritizing um, players and at the end of the day you can't really you don't really know how the players are going to come back until they're back <laughs> it sounds stupid to say but you're not you're not going to get a feel for a Kadisha Buchanan a Jesse Fleming a Caitlin, you know a Caitlin Ford a Sam Kurt you don't, you're not going to know how they feel until they're back training and able to tell you how their body feels to come onto the pitch um, but I would assume that both Chelsea and Arsenal, specifically Chelsea, might rotate a lot for this um, FA Cup match. Well, Alex, you are leading me perfectly into our next section, which we are going to get to after this ad break. Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. So, yeah, Chelsea return with just the small matter of an FA Cup tie against Arsenal at Kings Meadow. Um, this is a game that I'm kind of fascinated by because I feel like there's a world where I would feel less bothered about this game if Arsenal were better at football, if that makes sense. Because I feel like you could look at it and say, listen, this is a tough match. Whoever comes out on top comes out on top. Obviously, we want to win, but there's this crazy like run of fixtures. Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we went out in the FA Cup. But the problem is, is that given that Arsenal are quite bad, it makes it feel like if we lose, that's a little bit more embarrassing, Abdullah. Is that 
Is that where your head's... How do you feel about this match? I agree with the sentiment that it puts more pressure on Chelsea to have to win this game more than if they drop points, if they drop points, if they lose the game, because Arsenal, yeah, like you said, Arsenal aren't great right now. And it's almost like you'll you, you almost turn around and be like, well, that was a missed opportunity in a weird way to, you know, you missed opportunity. You didn't win a cup. You could have just knocked Arsenal out, right? You'd rather knock them out while they're down than, than, you know, giving them. And I think the biggest thing would be if they win, it could be the momentum you know, turn that they need to get back into some sort of form, considering we play them again in like a week, you know, to, in the FA Cup. And then, um, you know, they've got their own set of games against and Bayern and whatnot. So it's interesting. I, yeah, I think I agree. I think I, I think more than the embarrassment, I think it's the momentum for me that you give Arsenal and, and to, to turn their season around and, 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 and you know, kickstart back up a title challenge if they if they can and and maybe win a couple of cups and, and, and you know, whatnot. So at this point, eh, beat them. I mean, right, if you don't win, if it's a close game and they suddenly turn out to be really, really good in this game, fair enough. But if they continue in the same vein of form that they have and they win from some fluky set-piece goal in like the 84th <laughs> minute, you know, through like some Rafael Souza header, then fair. And then you, then you look and go, really? You lost. But otherwise, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, Alex, this whole time period from January to now has been really weird for Arsenal because that Emirates game, they played well and I would say arguably deserved to win, although I wouldn't say massively deserved to win, but I think probably played better than Chelsea um, for large portions of the game, at least. And then it kind of felt like that sent them into a bit of a wobble where they beat Villa in the Conti Cup quarterfinal. They beat Leeds, as Jonas keeps going on about, 9-0. But then there's the draw with West Ham. There's the win over City in the this Conti Cup semi-final, but, you know, it went to extra time and it was a bit rough around the edges. And then the loss to City, which was only 2-1, but was actually quite comprehensive. Um, how have you looked back on that kind of month-long period and and are you worried about the drop-off from form or do you think it's just one of those things where you're like sometimes you just get a shitty run of fixtures <laughs> something Chelsea might be about to experience sometimes you get a shitty run of fixtures and they don't all go the way you want them to go it's hard to look at it in a positive manner because you look at I mean look at the game against Chelsea I mean that wasn't the best game for either side so you look at how Chelsea I mean to be fair the fixtures after that, Chelsea haven't really been like miles, miles ahead. Let's say a 3-2 against Tottenham, for example. But then Arsenal have just gone the complete opposite way. It's got, you know, we've both, Chelsea and Arsenal have both gotten similar results in the sense of Chelsea got that big win against West Ham. Arsenal got a big win against Leeds. Obviously, different level of team, but we're going to ignore that. Um, you have, you know, Arsenal did draw Chelsea again, 3-2 against Spurs. So, on paper, it looks quite similar. But I think the biggest difference is this kind of formation change that Jonas is trying, and it's clearly just not working out. Whereas Chelsea have progressively, consistently been the same team. Not in the details, but let's say that, you know, they've dipped in form together and they're continuing together. And Arsenal are dipping in form and continuing with the big question mark because nobody knows what Jonas is doing or what he's trying to implement the players are doing. New players have come in that have looked really well, but at the same time, they look like they've come into a system 
that they don't know what to do and nobody around them knows what to do. It was the simple things like, just you, know, you and I talked about it. Victoria Pulova against City was aching, was just waiting for that overlapping run and nobody was doing it. So it just it just looks like there's no cohesion between what the players understand and what Jonas is trying to do. And there's just it's just a bit confusing. And this back three is just clearly not working. So I think now after this international break, you would kind of hope that Jonas was able to kind of gather his thoughts and actually get a game plan together to implement it in the best way possible to actually see a comfortable arsenal. If you can, if you can even see a comfortable Arsenal ever, um. So I think it, it depends on that, but the dip in form is is quite. It's worrying, and I think it's worrying because you know that it, a lot of it depends on Jonas. Which how much can you, kind of trust him to to make it better at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see whether he he sticks with the formation change. For for those of you who don't enjoy watching Arsenal to laugh at them, one, what are you doing? Uh, two, you might have missed that <laughs> Jonas has been experimenting with a back three, um, which he did against both ga- in both games against City with with slightly different results. Although I think, regardless of the slightly different results, on neither occasion did it look like. It was a solution to what I believe it was put in place for, which was to kind of improve them in an attacking sense because they weren't really having defensive issues. In fact, it seems to have only um, piled defensive issues on them. Uh, Abdullah, what have you kind of made of, of Jonas making that that shift? And it's interesting, right, because we've seen Emma Hayes switch between that back three, back four, especially when players are out, when you're trying to make players fit into a system that's going to maybe gel them a bit better than than what your original plan was. Um, do you think this is like a long-term thing for Arsenal? Do you think it was just like an attempted fix and we're going to see this abandoned um, from here on out? I found it weird because, you know, he he tried it, I think, in that, in that Leeds game, if I'm not wrong, like you said. And all right, it worked. But, you know, with all due respect, you're playing Leeds, right? anything will probably work against them if you're a top, top, top team like that, right? Now, to do that against City and then play that back three, I really felt like the players just looked uncomfortable. They were giving the they were giving balls away that were right in front of them and saying, all right, here, City, take the ball and try and... Sc-. We, You know what? It's that, it's that... I think I posted that meme up, right? They're like, let the landlord raise my rent so I can just, you know, the, the hustle, the grind is real so they can go and try harder. And... That's what it felt like. They were just making it difficult for themselves and they just looked uncomfortable. Now, like you, you said that obviously Emma Hayes has tried it, but I, I feel like out of Arsenal centre-backs, have any of them actually played in a back three properly before? I don't think so, right? And Steph Catley's played in a four. I'm not Atlanta familiar Williams. with Rafael Souza's time in China. It's entirely yeah. possible. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> maybe they played a weird back five. So let's assume maybe she likely she hasn't, right? At Chelsea, when 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 they played, Magda had played in a back three for Sweden. Like she had played in a back three, back five. She played at left back. So you almost had someone there who was used to doing it. Millie Bright playing in the middle was there, and you had players like uh, Marin Mielder who could play at right back and centre back. So you know, in a way, I think Chelsea had the components of a couple of play- key players who were able to fit in a back three, and then be able to then ease into the rest of them, right? And I th- I, to be fair, Chelsea had a issue with fullbacks. So they used their wingers as wingbacks and then they had to change that formation to try and get them in, which is fair enough. It was more of a little bit of a force thing tactically. But 
Arsenal, it just they don't look comfortable. Um, I think that if he tries it again, I I think it. I don't think it'll be as bad as a City game, but I don't think it's one that they can go to now. I think it's for them. It's more of a stopgap fix. It's it's a way to just right. We've got some injuries. We need to get the rest of these players in. There's a lot of central players we can play. You know, a couple of the wide players that we do have over there. I mean, you saw that game. Like Noel Moritz got absolutely like destroyed. She was she was she was thrashed against City. Like there was just no way. I'm surprised she didn't come off after 30 minutes. So. I just don't think they're used to it. I don't think you can use these big games, especially at this time of the season, to be experimenting and getting used to it. I would, I, I would think that he drops this and goes back to his, um, his default formation and, and at least go back to the basics. Um, because you go back to that game in January, fifteenth of fifteenth of January, when Chelsea first played Arsenal, the first game. I mean, they were, like you said, arguably the better side that that could have and should have won the game and they, they 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 did torture Chelsea so I would think that he would go revert back to that system and formation and probably even that team yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see but I just want to before we maybe talk a bit more about the the ins and outs of of where Arsenal might be able to get the better of Chelsea I just want to zoom out Alex and ask you about Arsenal's general record in this fixture because Aside from the 3-2 at the start of last season, um, that's the only time Arsenal beaten Chelsea since you know the start of the 2019-20 season. Is that concerning for you? That, you know, as much as we still big this up as a as an important fixture, and I think it would be ridiculous to say that it's not given Arsenal's pedigree, but when you take a step back and you look at the results, it's like Chelsea wins or draws basically um do you feel like Arsenal have ended up with a bit of a mental block around playing Chelsea I mean potentially when you look at the literally the last couple seasons I mean I still have that FA Cup final engraved in my head um sadly but it's (laughs) like I, I think I think that game showed most of all, the mental capacity that Chelsea has over Arsenal. And that's something that you, you can't really explain on the football sense. You can't really explain it trying to trying to put it into words either. You just saw the Arsenal just completely collapse and Chelsea literally fed off of that. So I think more than football, because we've talked about it so much, like Chelsea haven't been at their best either. You know, the formations, the players, that's been all over the place. And Chelsea had just as much as right as Arsenal to to go on a downhill downhill spiral essentially but they didn't and arsenal did so what the like what's i would i would go on to say the mentality and then you have exactly you have all these fixtures where chelsea just come out on top regardless of how informed the team is and how form it out of form the team is and you can't explain it and and you look at again you go back to Jonas and you look at what's being implemented into the team and you you ha- you have to say that that's affecting their mental capacities to to be on the pitch and be confident on the pitch. You look at a player like Kate McCabe. You know I'm mentioning her because obviously the, the Chelsea rumors and all that stuff. But you know you have a player as important like that, and she's not happy being on the team and play playing as much as she is where she's playing. And if you have one player like that, you can imagine how many other players might be feeling more or less the same. So I think the mental shift of Arsenal being shit essentially and Chelsea being bad 
it's just completely different and that's where Chelsea get the upper hand and you have to think that the Arsenal kind of come into this game scared almost um to kind of see what can happen yeah I definitely think there's there's probably more pressure on on Arsenal though there'll always be pressure on Chelsea because Chelsea will want to win every game as any top team would um but I do wonder what impact this could losing this could have on on the rest of Arsenal's season um it would certainly ramp up even more pressure on that Conti Cup final I think the other only other thing I was going to say as well, which which I guess maybe stems into Alex, what you're saying about the mentality thing, is that there have been a number of games where Arsenal played Chelsea, and and that I have thought they were the better side at least for portions of it. You know, the one one recently the Emirates, but even thinking about the FA Cup semi final last season, where I felt for like the kind of first thirty forty minutes Chelsea weren't in that game at all, and then they just gradually. Um, you know, rode that wave of Arsenal pressure and were able to come back and get what was in the end a comfortable win. And I think from an Arsenal perspective, that's what would concern me is that it's almost like Chelsea have reached a point against them where they don't have to play well. They still find the moments that they need to get the win or get the draw, um, whatever that looks like. Although equally, you know, we know that Arsenal like to get away with a offside goal or a little handball too. So, you know, there's they they get their their own little moments, I think, in these games. Um but Abdul, let's let's talk about some of the actual matchups here. We I think when we think about that Emirates game, um I think about Caitlin Ford up against Neve Charles. I think that's where Arsenal got a huge amount of their joy and I think if you take that battle out of that game it's a very different matchup but um she's obviously Kenan Ford specifically <laughs> is obviously coming back from Australia uh did score a banger though um I don't know if we'll see those same players up against each other it, it depends on a lot of different things I feel like Arsenal feel quite tricky to predict in terms of how they might line up and Chelsea I guess kind of equally um but is would that be the area you'd be looking for for Chelsea to really shore up in terms of like where Arsenal maybe could get at them yeah I think I think you're right I think you hit the hem nail on the head there I think the wide areas is always I think I think even right now I think it's Chelsea's biggest weakness and I think while he, um Neve Charles started that last game like you said when when, when Caitlin Ford was up against Neve Charles and 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 uh, and really did the work there. I think when Eve Perisay came on, it was a little bit more, uh, it was a little bit better defensively. And I, I think this is that game where Chelsea go right. You know, we saw what happened last time, especially if Caitlin Ford is going to start. I think Eve Perisay will start, and I know we'll get into lineups in, in a second. But um, I think making those minor changes like that and um, kind of learning from the last game because that was probably the the one main area. I think if you even if you look at Chelsea in better form against Arsenal in that last game. That is still the one area that Arsenal could still get the better of Chelsea at for the most part, if there's anything. And I think even on the other side, depending on who's there, because look, they could even start Kate and McCabe on one side, Caitlin Ford on the other. They could start uh, Pavlova. They could. They have like so many different options to play on the wide areas. And Chelsea are likely to probably maybe going to start with uh, Neve Charles or Eve Perisse. And, and and obviously if Eve Perisse plays, it's a lot. It's a lot safer. Um, I think that's the one area, and then I think for for me, I think it it the other big battle I think that's going to be interesting is if Leah Volti's fit and starts. I think that's huge because then that nullifies where he's playing as Chelsea's quote unquote number ten, whether it's Kankovic, Kirby, um, whoever, right? And I think if 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 Leah Volti plays, then that goes a long way, and whoever the number ten is. 
to have to then deal with that with her and her marking and pressing and then be able to kind of get around there because I don't think I think if Leo Volti doesn't play then then be Chelsea have an easier time over there as well and then there's another area for them to to, to capitalize on yeah so I think those two really my two areas of um two areas of uh where Arsenal or Chelsea can can benefit from and Alex, I guess, same question to you, from, but from a slightly different perspective. Um, I don't think we really saw Chelsea exploit any specific bit of Arsenal uh, in the Emirates game. But but where would, would you be worried about? Um, is it like a case of if they play the back three, they're just going to pass the ball to Chelsea like they did at Man City? Or, or is there something more specific about the way Chelsea set up that you feel like would be a worry? Well, I think from that Emirates game, I think Lauren James... Um made me nervous plenty of times mostly just because of how I mean to be fair Lauren James had a I would say very off game in, in terms of what she actually produced and the chances that she actually created um but the way she was just getting through the entire Arsenal defense I mean I she had Steph Catley's head spinning literally at one point Steph Catley was dazed and confused by one run so you, you kind of worried on that, especially if she's coming off a really good international break. You know, if she starts, will Steph Catley, who's off traveling from Australia, be able to keep up with, with the Lauren James? I think I do agree that I think the wings are where Arsenal can get the upper hand, especially over whatever fullbacks Chelsea is going to play because that's always a mystery. But if they do play the back three, you know, essentially the back three and the overlapping runs is to get that overload onto the wings where you can get the advantage. And if Arsenal don't know when to do that, then it can work in, in the opposite favor. Cause you have Lauren James exploiting the space that your essential fullbacks um, wingbacks are going to leave behind. So it's, it's a hard one, but I think that battle on the wing could be quite important as much as, a Leo Valti Aaron Cuthbert matchup is probably going to be the key to moving the ball for both sides and stopping, you know, the momentum of a lot of the attacks. I think the wings for for both Chelsea and Arsenal are going to be where a lot of the attacks are going to be born out of. Yeah, and it, I I think it, it will be interesting to see, you know, maybe how that midfield battle frees frees up the the wingers to to have a go because definitely I think in the Emirates game Aaron Cuthbert didn't have a great time of it. Frank Herbie's fitness is going to be interesting to see because I'm kind of unclear of where she's at right now. But Chelsea didn't seem overly concerned when they pulled her out of the England squad. So there's the potential that she's basically had a week and a half off, which would be very nice um, if she was fit enough to play as well. And yeah, I think um, I do think Arsenal's formation is going to be fascinating. My hunch is that he won't do the back three, um, especially if Leah Volti is like fully fit. Uh, but honestly, who knows? Um, he seems like a man who might be quite stubborn, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, just to finish this section off, um, Abdullah, I'll come to you first. I want a predicted Chelsea lineup, and then we'll we'll go to Alex and see how she thinks Arsenal will line up. All right, I'm just gonna go straight into it. I think Milosevic in goal. I'm gonna go with Eve Perisic at right back. I'm gonna give you Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson. Center back. I'm gonna go left back. I'm gonna go Neve Charles left back. I'm gonna go Ingle Cuthbert midfield. Kankovic is the third one. And then I'm gonna go right in James and 
Sam Kerr. Yeah, that's my that's my eleven. Yeah, I could fuck with that. I'm into that. Uh, Alex, who, who who would you be putting in uh, for Arsenal? Try not to look too pained. I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with the back four. I'm gonna go with the back four, hoping that Jonas has fully reflected in this international break and has realized that the back three is indeed not working. Um, um, so I think is okay. Is this more of what I want or what Jonas is gonna do? Mm, do what you want. What I want. Okay. Um, back six. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> back two. Back two. Um, okay. A back four would be. Steph Catley, Rafa, Leah Williamson, mm, Ryan Rothier, I think. Mm, okay, that's a hard one. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I could go with that. Um, in the midfield, I think it would be the usual: Valti, Kim Little, and Frieda Manum. In the front three, a Katie McCabe, a Steph, uh, a Steph Catley as a striker. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be worse than Cena. <laughs> uh, Katie McCabe, Caitlin Ford, and you know what? I I know we've it's not her position, but I would actually like to see Victoria Pulova out, out on the right wing. So you're playing Caitlin Ford as the striker, as the striker, and Victoria Pulova as the right wing. And for that, I'm gonna change back. I'm gonna change to Noel Maddox on the right because. Lord Brian Rothier was the one that could not do overlapping rooms for the life of her. <laughs> That's true. That was very poor. Yeah. I think I could do that. I can see I can see that going well. Yeah, I I I like that. I do think starting if I was Jonas, I would start Katie McCabe. Just because I think the thing that's been most bizarre about Arsenal is like really lacking standards basically and i think actually that's one of the really underrated things like we've not really touched on them missing Mida and Mar Mead because quite frankly i'm bored of the conversation and i think they've been you know way worse than they should have been regardless of having those two absent but i do think um Miedemar's demand for standards in particular is something they've really lacked and i think Kate McCabe's someone who who offers the same um so yeah it would be it would definitely be interesting to see arsenal i feel like i haven't got a read on at all right now um but uh i think chelsea i find it impossible to kind of talk about this fixture without thinking about the general run so we're gonna take another quick ad break and when we come back we'll just finish off by talking about chelsea's absolutely bonkers next seven games so, after Arsenal in the FA Cup, Chelsea have to play Arsenal, then Brighton. It sound, that sounds fine, but that's the worst one. Uh, United, Leon, City and Leon. Um, so, there's really no let up for this side at all. And I think it's really important to try and think about these games as a kind of holistic set. I mean, I know Emma Hayes will be like, you take one game at a time. But to me, that's just crazy when you've got this many fixtures back to back. Obviously, also, if Chelsea do win against Arsenal in the FA Cup. There might be another potential FA Cup game slotted in there too. Um, Adila, how and where are you rotating the side for this ridiculous run of games? It definitely not rotating for Brighton. I'm just, I'm too scarred by this team to be able to go. I'm playing full strength against Brighton, so there's no rotation for me there. I think 
You know the weird thing is, I think the rotation has to come at this FA FA Cup game that comes up on Saturday. I actually think the rotation really? has to Really? That's where you want to go. I, I might because look, the next game's a final, right? Against Arsenal. You want to win the final, it's a trophy chance, you win it. It's good momentum there. You want a good team. Brighton, we know what they can do. You want a good team. And it's WSL, you need to keep the points gaps up, uh point gap up. Points gap, and then United, another big team. Maybe you make one or two changes against United. They, you know, you know. I think you could probably get away with making one or two changes there, because then you got to look at Leon and go right. You need to have a full strength side against Leon, and then City can't really drop points again. Leon again, depending on where the tie is in the second leg, you need a team there. And I think Villa, you can probably rotate. So it's weird. I think. The first game of this stretch and the last game of this stretch is where you can rotate, but that defeats the entire purpose of rotating because then you have these big chunk of games in the middle where you're playing all your best players. So I think the first game, I think the United game, and probably you're going to have to say the Villa game, probably for me where Chelsea can make a couple of changes and get away with it. But then on the other hand, Chelsea have some really good replacements in some positions. So you could, for example, let's say Magda or Marin don't play in the, in the next couple of games. You can start a Marin Mielda against United. And I think that could rest any Perisay or a Neve Charles. Or you could start a Kankovic. So uh, you can start an Ericsson, depending on who's playing where and what. So it's not like Chelsea have bad replacements. They're good replacements. They can come in and play as first team players. They have done it in the past. So I, I'm not I'm not overly worried. So I think like United and maybe City, probably two games in between where you could probably go, all right, yeah, fine. I can bring in a Marin Mielda, trusted to do a job. I can bring in a Kankovic, trusted to do a job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there are chances. It's just, you know, it's tough. Do you, do you, do you reserve players? Do you not? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough set, set of fixtures. I personally am actually going to rotate the hell out of that Brighton fixture because I think Brighton are extra guff. And this might come back and bite me on the ass, but like this Jen Troy of Brighton are a joke of a team. Um, so, but I think also there's like kind of an interesting point there, Alex, right? Which is maybe that I don't really feel like when we talk about Chelsea rotating that there's there's really, to me, not a huge amount of drop-off between bringing in, say, a Kanarid or a Kankovic or, you know, in fact, like, lots of the time I don't even know really who are the first choice. The one area I would say it, there is no rotation option because we sold the rotation option to Tottenham is up front. Can Sam Kerr just do it all? It's it's obviously a tougher situation than usual with Pernille Harder out. Because that would be a natural, I mean, not a natural, but you would kind of rely on pretty harder to bring you the goals that Sam would. Um, but no, it is It is interesting and you feel bad for Sam, especially with running games like this. You know, it, it's that it's that usual, it's, it's shit pressure at the end of the day of big players need to perform in big games. And it's like, grand, you know, they do and they should and you pay them for that. But at the same time, you you can expect naturally you just can't expect players to perform like that all the time and if Chelsea are relying solely on Sam Kerr to bring most of the goals in that's where the problem might be because it's 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 hard I mean Sam Kerr you know she deals relatively well with pressure but at the same time she doesn't give a fuck so she's gonna do whatever comes up and if it goes bad it goes bad and if it goes well it goes well 
she's not going to feed into the pressure that other people are, are putting into her and that might be bad but at the same time I think there are other players that can score for Chelsea more than other teams I would say especially you know an Aerith Comfort a Guru, um, in the corners a Magda even a Millie um, I think Chelsea has the opportunity to score from other players more than other teams more than Arsenal for example I would say so that you know Chelsea does have that going for them but at the same time yeah you know putting a lot of pressure on Sam Curry might not just be the the smartest thing to do at the end of the day yeah I definitely think you're so right on the the Panilla loss because she's someone who I would have happily just seen us start as a striker as well like I think she would have probably excelled in that role and without her I don't know yeah maybe we could see LJ there maybe even Fran could play there with Kankovic behind her I I would from a you know just intrigue and tactical perspective be really interested to see if Emma does try something think different there my fear is that Sam will just start all of these games to be honest um and I really hope that doesn't go Pete Tong for her but um yeah we'll we'll have to see um Abdullah if there was an area that Chelsea were going to be prioritizing is it just the the Leon games Champions League do you think Emma Hayes looks at I, I know you picked out the Man United game as a game where you potentially rotate do you think that's one where Emma says well if we drop points in title race who cares like I I just want to smash Leon uh yeah I think so I think she will she'll never admit it but I think secretly inside like you know I actually even think that she'd be willing to drop the two cup games if she can know she can beat Leon I I I think even that would be. I think I think the Champions League has become such a. I think from the very beginning, obviously the W cell is always the target, right? It's the default one. But if you give her, if you told her at the beginning of the season, do you want? Do, would do you can win the Champions League or you can win the WSL? She'll win. The, she'll, she'll take the Champions League, right? So I think, all, in the midst of all of these games, the two key games that she would want to win more than anything else is those Leon games. So yeah, I think I think on the front it'll be we drop points against Man United. But I don't think it'll be that much of a disaster considering how well United have been playing. So it won't be a complete shocker. But it it is. But but at the same time, you look at it and go, look at the time difference between the United game and the Lyon game. It's the twelfth of March to the twenty second. So there is re- there is time for rest. There is there is time for for players to come back. But you're worried about injuries. So yeah, this is probably the game where you go, Sam Kerr, just don't play. So you, you can start it for those first three games. And you can rest Samka and play a Kirby, a Kankovic, whoever you, I don't know, Canarid striker. You know, we could that's that's an experiment she can try. But um, yeah, I think I think Leon is definitely the focus for uh, for these set of seven fixtures. Yeah, I mean, if, who who knows about how Emma might try and and prioritize certain games? I, I definitely think it'll be interesting. But I feel like also if Chelsea were able to get a big win away against Leon, it would take the pressure off. Of at least the city game at the weekend as well potentially, um, obviously Alex, the three of the first four are at home. Um, do you think that helps Chelsea in any way? Because I definitely feel like I at least go into say this FA Cup game against Arsenal and think, oh, I feel better that that we're at Kings Meadow and even the Conti Cup right is still in London. So it's not until you got to go to France on the twenty second of March you have to go away. Do you think that makes things? easier at all just in that like maybe the players are a bit more relaxed and Kings Meadows noisy I think definitely I think I mean Chelsea players kind of talk about it quite often in the sense of 
um how King's Meadow feels how at home it feels how comfortable they feel there so I think definitely especially when you're talking about a lot of players that have to travel so much you know they're able to you know wake up in their own house in the morning and be able to go to the match from their own home and that could be the difference mentally as well as we keep saying the the mental relaxation that they can have instead of waking up in a hotel room for example could be quite big um, so I think, yeah, I think it's going to be an advantage, definitely. And especially Kings Meadow, you know, has been selling out good crowds. So I think the, you know, the the 12th player is always going to be an extra motivation for Chelsea, especially because they take a lot of the players take a lot of pride in, in the support that the fans give and, and playing at home. So I think that's definitely, that's one thing that Chelsea have gotten, has gotten um, quite lucky with. Because even a, a trip to Lyon won't be too, too bad. Um, Lyon's a quick trip. Overall. It's probably worse going to Manchester, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Honestly, at the end of the day, um, but yeah, I, I think it should be. I think it should be fine. Um, just to finish off, then let's just put quickly put you both on the spot. Um, okay, seven. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games up to that. The uh, the home game against Leon. How many wins are Chelsea getting from those fixtures? Abdullah, you go first. Oh, one, two, seven. Um, I'm gonna say five. Five. Where, where are Chelsea not winning? Uh, I think, I think for the drama, I think they'll lose one leg against Leon. I don't know which one, but they'll lose one leg. And I think they drop points against. Uh, we. I think they drop points against City. Okay, Alex, what are you saying? I'm looking at the fixture list now. I'm, you know what? I am mostly just curious about the rotation because of the FA Cup and the Conti Cup final. But you know what? I would be very intrigued to see if Chelsea drop points against Man United. Okay. I think that could happen. I think, I, I mean, Man United did it against Arsenal. It was probably slightly easier than against Chelsea. But Man United have, put, like, have pushed Chelsea in the last season particularly and I think right now the momentum that they're actually gaining is quite ridiculous and most people are kind of overlooking that right now um I think it could be a draw I think Chelsea can draw points there okay winning everything else though Mm. (laughs) Mm. draw okay draw two against Man United and against Leon one against Leon and it's really tough to say. I think I think the obvious choice is that Chelsea are going to win both Arsenal games, but that's let let's just delete. Let's just pretend this isn't me saying <laughs> that. Um, yeah, I think I think Chelsea can drop points. Um, definitely draw one against Leon or potentially even lose. Um, I'm not saying they're going to lose it the overall overall tie. I, I have I think Chelsea can win that, but I think they're going to suffer big against Leon and definitely not definitely potentially. A, a big probability of dropping points against uh, Man United. All right. I'm going to say we win six of the seven. I agree. I don't think we'll win both Leon legs, but I still think we'll go through. If we don't, I'm just manifesting right here because I just want to be positive and I'm excited um, because I actually think Chelsea play so much better when they play tough fixtures and it's going to be a massive ask, but I'm actually really intrigued because I wonder if we could see Chelsea reach a level that maybe we've not seen them reach for a while just because of how in the zone they're going to have to be, and then we will just 
pray for no injuries in that time. Um, but that pretty much wraps us up for today. Alex, Abdullah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, there's so much for us to get through over the next couple of weeks. We are going to be in your ears a lot. Um, coming up for us, we'll obviously have a match review with Arsenal, um, a Conti Cup final preview next week. Um, on the men's side as well, I really recommend if you can bear listening or thinking about the Chelsea men's team, uh, as unfortunately I sometimes have to do. Uh, Matt Law did an ep with Brandon, which is really worth listening to, I think, about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it actually made me feel calmer. Um, so, something to get you in the mood. Obviously, Chelsea Spurs is at the same time as Chelsea Arsenal, so I will be zoning out the men to hopefully watch the women win. Um, but yes, we'll be back on Sunday to, to talk you through whatever happened, but until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.